You don't charge creators to verify themselves. You lure them to your platform with promises of gold to create on your platform. Otherwise, they'll go where the money's better. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, April 5th. Today, Baratunde Thurston is here to talk to me about the ugly decline of Twitter and Elon Musk's halting, clunky, and at times silly campaign for his pet project, Twitter Blue. Big news organizations, celebrities, political figures, they're all refusing to pay for that legacy blue checkmark. And neither is Baratunde. As he explains, this is probably just one more step toward the grave for a social network that's withering before our very eyes. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers of Be. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is four days after April 1st, which was the deadline that Twitter has shared for when they're going to start winding down their legacy blue checkmark program. And they will start the march toward Twitter blue, charging individuals $8 a month to get a blue checkmark or keep the blue checkmark they had. That's $11 if you're getting off the Apple store. According to my guests on this podcast, Baratunde Thurston, who joins me now, and $1,000 a month for businesses, including news organizations. Baratunde, you wrote a piece for Puck basically outlining why you are not going to be paying. Uh, and I agree with basically all of it. Um, and by the way, a lot of a lot of news organizations have come out and said, we're not paying for this either on, on a corporate level. The New York Times, the LA Times, BuzzFeed, Politico, Vox, CNN. No official news organization wants to have any part of this. And some of that squares with what you wrote. But tell me why you're not going to be ponying up 8 to yeah. $11 for this. I'm, uh, I'm not in the habit of quoting myself, Peter. I find that type of behavior generally uh, unattractive. Uh, but in this particular moment, I'm going to read a sentence from my piece. <laughs> I, I, uh, I typed this out with my own hand. Uh, I refuse to endorse Twitter's current management with my money. I won't help a chaos-spawning egomaniac who inflicts his psychological wounds on the world dig himself out of a hole that his ego created especially when the new badge doesn't involve any verification process at all. So that's my hot take stance. Uh, I'm not opposed to paying for services that offer value. I'm not opposed to uh, having a sustainable financial social media ecosystem. I just don't like what this particular human being is doing in what looks more like a desperate attempt to wring cash out of his mm -hmm. terrible, poorly thought out investment than to create a democratic journalistic panacea. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe him. And I don't wanna lend credibility to his lack of credibility with my monthly subscription dollars. So whenever they sunset me, I will ride off into that good night and I'll tweet along the way, but I'm just not paying. Yeah, I mean, I think if you 
care about a healthy information and news ecosystem, you should not be paying for this because, and by the way, like when, when Elon Musk took over, you know, I, I didn't necessarily give him the benefit of the doubt, but I was like, look, there's some problems with Twitter. Like Absolutely. Twitter isn't a, Absolutely. isn't a great place. Uh, yeah. Maybe he can do some product changes that make this better. It's fundamentally clear that he has not. And we all see it. Kara Swisher actually made a really good point on her Pivot podcast, obvious to us. But she said, I, rarely have I seen in real time like a measurable decline in just pure quality of any product or service yeah. that she could remember. And like that's true right now if you go on Twitter, like the quality of the ads are bad. They mm-hmm. aren't well targeted. He added a for you page, you know, trying to keep up with TikTok, TikTok, I guess. I never look at it. I still look at my followers. And then things are often all out of place. Like you could follow real-time news events in the past, sporting events, votes yeah. on the hill, hurricane or extreme weather. <laughs> yeah. The biggest like problem though is the value proposition of Twitter was that it is where you could go for expertise, for fact-checking, despite all the disinformation and toxic stuff and racism and sexism, especially in 2015 through 2017. There were credible people, public utilities. We've talked about this before. Like if you're a local first responder or fire, you know, fire department, you could go see if something bad was happening. Or tell people something bad was happening. You know, it's like it it became a public alert system. Exactly. And Musk's partly because he's a troll, partly because he hates the quote unquote media. He wants to democratize journalism and information gathering. And that's the reason he wants to give everybody a blue check mark that these hoity-toity ivory tower dwellers, they're the ones with the blue check marks and we don't need to trust them. It's the exact opposite of, and it totally undercuts the value proposition of Twitter. It's not a place you can go anymore to get high quality information. And so as a journalist, or a news organization, why would you pay for that? There's an interesting flip side on on this. And it's a combination. I was reading from one of the people who used to work in Twitter's media team and try to recruit prominent individuals to the platform. You know, this is back in like 2010s. Uh And, And I joined Twitter in March 2007. I've seen every cycle of the thing. And it's been fascinating and exhausting and sort of nausea inducing and thrilling, all of Mm -hmm. it. But what this person revealed was Twitter had a credibility challenge and it was trying to increase its own credibility by inviting people who already had it to the platform. So if you are CNN, the New York Times, if you are LeBron James or the NBA, if you are a, a university, you bring your institutional IRL credibility to this wacky microblogging chaos space and they indicate, you know, the platform indicates your value and your realness with the blue check by verifying that you mm-hmm. are who you are. And mm-hmm. they do not charge you for that. They benefit from your presence, right? The badge was a benefit to Twitter much more than it might have been a benefit to a university professor or a news organization by some measure. I'm not saying it's only flows in one direction, but I think Musk has a very simplistic idea that the badge has value, so people should pay for it. And he hasn't quite teased out the nuance that the value flows in many different directions. One of them is from the the creator to the platform. And TikTok Mm -hmm. is such a funny little thing to bring up because he fancies himself like competing with TikTok. That's a joke. 
Like, and he, it's great because this is a guy who loves jokes. I don't think mm-hmm. he understands that he is the joke in this joke, but mm-hmm. he's got nothing on TikTok. And what TikTok and every other platform, Snapchat, YouTube, figured mm-hmm. out is you want to keep creators around, you, the money flows the other way toward the creator. You don't charge creators to verify themselves. You mm-hmm. lure them to your platform with promises of gold to create on your platform. Otherwise, they'll go where the money's better and the mm-hmm. environment's less toxic. So mm-hmm. that I think it's just a really simple mathematical misunderstanding of the value proposition from an ecosystem perspective. And he's like driving out more creative people who are like, oh, so you're gonna charge me to not get impersonated by someone? That's dumb, I'm out. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally, I mean, and journalists too. I mean, like this is adjacent to our, um theory of the case for Puck, but journalists are, and writers, you know, all of us are, can be like a vain slash insecure bunch. And I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the best. <laughs> you know, a creator who is joining TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or Snapchat's like mid-roll creator program, yeah. there is, to your point, like a financial incentive there for them. Like uh, you can make money off of your content. Yeah, You know, you can do marketing agreements, whatever. <laughs> News organizations and journalists, we like the attention. I mean, Orwell said this in, in Why I Write. Like one of the reasons he writes is he likes attention. We like attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the way you would get attention, there's a lot of ways to get it, bad attention, by the way. Your story could be wrong. Mm-hmm. You could uh, misreport something. You could say something outlandish, <laughs> fired. But the hierarchy of value on Twitter among creators is the information good? Like you win right. if you have the most scoops, the best analysis. And by the way, not mm. all of it's journalism. Some of it is opinion and some of it is obnoxious, but the information. <laughs> I, I think and the analysis words, is the word you were looking for. Analysis in ana- quotation <laughs> marks <laughs> right. translates takes, as obnoxious. Yeah. Takes, takes, <laughs> takes, the take economy. Yes. Yes. Um, but you know, like people on so-called smart people with who are verified work for a news organization, you weren't getting paid by Twitter to create your and distribute your content. You were getting attention. And like that yeah. became this almost, it obviously created competition uh, in a bad way where you were like racing to break a story on Twitter, even though it might not be confirmed. You just want to get attention over depth or substance. But people that had blue check marks very often worked really hard to get followers on Twitter based on the quality of their reporting or their analysis or their writing. And I just find people in our industry care less and less about that stuff right now. Again, I'm not a 23-year-old journalist trying to make it in hustle right now. Yeah. It might matter to them more than us getting that kind of attention. But I just care so much less about Twitter. Um, it, this was true before Elon took over, but it's increasingly true now. Like, Why am I putting time, why am I wasting time creating content for a space that increasingly doesn't care about what I produce? Do you share that sentiment? Uh, yes, I think Elon cares about different things. He he uses the word democratization a lot. Uh-huh. He speaks, I'm going to be generous as possible. He speaks incompletely uh, with regard to the truth mm-hmm. and that his diagnosis is more than not wrong. There's a lot of rightness to his perspective on what has ailed Twitter. His proposed solution is overstated and he's a hypocrite. And so, you know, you can't say like, I'm here to democratize verification process and first of all you're not verifying anything there's no id verification involved 
-hmm. It's just bank account verification. It's not proof of ID, it's proof of, of cash. And that's a whole different value system. He also, in, in talking about you know, fairness, has manipulated this platform to serve him, period, the end. And it's his right. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, if I spent 44 billion, mostly of other people's money, but with my name and reputation online, I'd be like, yeah, you're all seeing my tweets for sure. But then I can't go out and pretend that I'm like man of the people, I'm man mm -hmm. of myself. And that's okay, but you just, you can't do both. And so I think we also, like, we all see it. And it just, it looks kind of ridiculous. And so if you're not going to value the credibility of information, if you're actually going to contribute to misinformation yourself, if you're going to make the platform just about you personally, individually, that is not a marketplace of ideas. That's not a town square. That's mm -hmm. just like Elon's little Soho house. And the people who get the best tables are the ones who pay. Mm -hmm. which is cool. He can have a private club and charge membership. That's it's a free society. It just ain't what he's telling us it is. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that's just, it's not even, it doesn't offend me as much. I'm just, I'm kind of exhausted slash amused at this age. I, I lose, I've lost some of the righteousness and I'm just like, this is just a little sad and silly. This poor man just like screaming into the wind, thinking that we all don't see, he's just, scraping the money at the bottom of the barrel, having driven out like 90% of the real dollars from the advertisers, you know, who could really power this service. They're like, oh, you were, you were supposed to be a genius. This is weird now. But there, there is another thing that Musk has been right about. I just get annoyed when people I criticize are also right on some things. Mm -hmm. And like the check mark when it was born was this like clubby, insidery, elite thing. Like I got mine because I went to lunch at Twitter. Not everybody, knew, that's not a scalable dude, I knew solution. A guy, <laughs> I knew a guy, what was his name? Adam in DC who worked at Twitter. And I think eventually his, his job was like comms, but he was also like working with reporters to verify them. And like, that was really ad hoc and probably not great, but yeah. <laughs> at least they were trying. They were trying. And I think they formalized that and they had a process and they had a list of, like this is the hurdle you have to clear to get this thing and you can apply for this thing. And so they outgrew it. And I think Musk is probably, this is projection totally, but mm. also not at all. He's, he's harboring resentment about being ostracized, about never being considered in the cool in club. And now that he owns a club himself, he gets to take it out. He gets to have a little bit of revenge on the previous club management. And be like, I'm gonna let mm -hmm. all my friends in and you who could get in before because you knew somebody, you get kicked out. And that is a totally understandable, not even insane, it's just petty, but it's pettiness I can, I can get. Like I grok that petty. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, also dude, grow up. <laughs> you know, like that's not the system that you inherited. It's kind of the, the origin story of it, but he's just like being able to get back at the cool kids. And he won't ever fully say that, but I feel like that's what's clearly going on here. I mean, I think that's pretty clear too. And also like you become yeah. the richest guy in the world and your friends are like, bro, you should just buy Twitter. And he's like, yeah, good call. And he like, that's something he could actually just do. That's um, right. And now he's got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. That's exactly right. I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of those business challenges when we come back. Great. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, 
Bear Tunde, another thing Kara Swisher said on her podcast Pivot with Scott Galloway recently was, why would I trust Twitter with my credit card information? Like right. this is a company that like their source code leaked last week. It was posted online somewhere. We also like know Casey Newton's done some really good reporting on this at Platform. The best, like, the best e- reporting, yeah, yes. Totally, that Elon himself has weighed in on promoting certain accounts over others. You know, for some reason, Casey like reported LeBron James, Biden, AOC, Ben Shapiro. That makes sense. Conservative commentator and troll at CatTurd2. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> was getting promoted just because of Elon's whimsy. And yeah. we know that for a period, Elon was mad that Joe Biden was getting more attention than him on Twitter. And most glaringly, and, and this freaked me out, he kicked off like three or four journalists for yeah. like a week. And so just it, like giving a company your actual credit card information when I'm not saying Elon's going to literally just like hack into the, some database and get people's credit card numbers. But it seems like a place, by the way, before Elon got hacked a few times, got shut down a few times. It just doesn't seem like the safest bet. And that's it. I, I don't, I'm certain that he is not going to pilfer people's bank accounts because he has access to the credit cards. Mm-hmm. I'm also certain that he foolishly uh, dismissed or, or made it very easy for 80% of the team there to leave, including security specialists, trust and safety, folks who are working on site reliability, mm-hmm. and just the basic functioning so that Twitter's just, it's, it's got infrastructure on par with America right now right? It's like a grade D infrastructure. The bridges are falling down. And there's some stuff that just doesn't work. Uh, and as you and I record this, I still have my blue check. Same. Uh, yeah. In part, not, not because uh, Elon's changed his mind. It's because he cannot execute his will because his infrastructure is so shitty. And, and there have been reports that even the way to undo the legacy verification system is the equivalent of like some manual process in an Excel spreadsheet. Too bad you don't have any technically savvy engineers left to help you out with that problem, Elon. Maybe you shouldn't have shat on them as you shoved them out the door. You know, mm-hmm. so so he's he's inflicted these things on himself, and that level of sloppiness and disregard is why you know it might be riskier to you know put your financial information with this platform than than some others. Everybody can get hacked. Twitter just makes it easier now by publicly announcing they don't have security guards anymore. Oh, also, and the, and the blueprint, and the blueprint of the building leaked, you know, virtually speaking, like that source code leak, is not a good thing. That might have residual effects for years. Yeah, sometimes, you know, these breaches and downloads, they come back to haunt us years later. And that code breach is, you know, that's what we know about. <laughs> we yeah. don't know if anything else has happened. But and you, yeah, likely, the- by, likely initiated by a person who he fired rudely. So again, like that, it wasn't like Twitter source code wasn't just hanging out on GitHub pre-Elon. This was Mm. an like with Elon, this happens. So now I want to ask you just a couple more quick things. One, as you write in your uh, piece, paying for Twitter blue isn't just about getting that blue check mark. Um, You can write longer tweets. Mm -hmm. uh, You can do higher quality video uploads. An undo button. I guess I don't know how that will work. And the privilege of being featured, the privilege of being featured in the For You feed. I've thought this a lot about Twitter over the years because they have also before Musk tried to 
do a bunch of different things. Um, Twitter Spaces, like that was a clone of, um, oh my God, I forget Clubhouse. the hottest app in the world that's now dead. Yeah, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yeah. Zombie app, Clubhouse. But like, you know, back when I joined Snapchat in like 2015, 2016, they were experimenting with the um, curating user video and, and putting that out there. Um, they had flights for a while. Yeah. Kind of like oh sets yeah, of like stories. Yeah, 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 exactly. And all of it just reminded me that while TikTok, Snap, Instagram, even YouTube, like a lot of these big platforms have rolled out new product developments, they've changed over time, they've copied each other's features. Mm -hmm. The fundamental use case for Twitter has been typing words into a white space and hitting send. That's not yeah. to say that pictures and videos can't go viral and they're not useful. I mean, I watch a ton of sports highlights the next day from my like NBA feeds. So the video is valuable, but like for the everyday user, reverse engineering how they first learned to use a tech product like this is very hard. And I don't really know a lot of people demanding more text in tweets. Right. Do you, I mean, are any of these like good ideas? I don't, it's, yeah, this is fascinating. I don't have a hot take on this one. I'm really yeah. thinking about it. And I think there's just, maybe always gonna be a smaller market for text because of the labor involved, because of the literacy required, yeah. because yeah. Of, the, of the flatness of the user experience. But that explains why it's been like more of a like elite platform that's smaller than all of these other big platforms yeah. because it's for people who are demanding text and demanding thoughts and demanding takes. And like that might not be mass market, but it works for a certain social network. And it's, and, and not everything, this is a radical concept to some of our listeners, but not everything has to be a, a billion user market to be a success. Mm -hmm. I think part of the challenge of, of something like Twitter is the original sin of kind of venture funding, where to be deemed credible, worthy, successful from a business perspective, you got to return this 10x to the limited partners of the VC fund that demands a hyper growth model by measures of any reasonable person who doesn't expect the world at their fingertips, 300 million users is an astounding number of people to be mm -hmm. tapping mm -hmm. away with their thumbs and fingertips in a text interface. They just, it's not enough, 3 billion. You need to add another fact order of magnitude on that to make me kind of take you seriously. And so in chasing that level of return, plus mismanagement, part-time CEO, like so much other crap that, you know, special about Twitter, they weren't able to kind of achieve the, that scale that a meta or video-centric platform like a YouTube, Snap, TikTok, which came out of nowhere, could achieve. And it seems pretty clear to me now, like Musk isn't the person to radically change that fate. If anything, he's accelerating. What we've already saw was true before. Twitter's a weak business. Now it's a weaker business with the, the genius rocket man you know, at, at the steering wheel. Still a chance he could turn something around at the end, but I'm betting strongly against that outcome. Twitter's not gonna be more successful as a business under Elon Musk. I don't think it's gonna be more successful as a cultural source of impact under him either. Uh, I think it could have been maintained that second part much stronger under a different owner and had a piece of better shot at the former in terms of the business success, uh, again, with mm -hmm. a different approach probably sooner in its history. So text as a big growth area, probably not. We have more capable cameras now too, which mm -hmm. I think Twitter started literally in the era of SMS and text messaging. And we weren't yeah. physically able 
to send high quality images around the world at lightning speed, much less video, much less real time. And so if given the choice between like saying what's on my mind, which I just did in that little second, I just said, this is on my mind. And now I send it versus like typing what's on my mind and pressing publish. Mm-hmm. Most people who can will say it. That's exactly right. Man, I forgot. Yeah. I mean, I joined Twitter like 2006, seven, like you did and yeah. didn't have an iPhone or shit. I probably had a Blackberry, but it was connected to my personal flip phone. And I remember like I followed like two or three people and I woke up in the middle of the night because like an idiot, I had my phone on vibrate, which I don't do anymore. Yes. But like it was like bzz, 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 and like people were tweeting, but it would also like be an SMS. And I'd be like, why is this dude? Wow. It was very annoying. Uh, for everyone listening, I can see Baratunde. He's moving. He's talking. He's blinking on the Zoom. Uh, so when his blue check mark goes away, I can promise you he's not a bot or an AI generated <laughs> Internet creature. Thanks, man, for your insight. As always, everyone go read his piece on Puck. Thank you. Always love talking with you, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13, and produced by Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck. Puck.